Hello, and welcome to episode seven of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Hi, babe. Hi. <laughs> How are you here we, doing? Here we are at seven. We are at lucky number seven. Yes. <laughs> lucky number seven. We're doing this thing, aren't we? Yep. We're doing good. This isn't just a hobby. It's it's something else. It is something else. It's turning into something else. Yeah. I don't know what that is yet, but we're going to do it. I don't know. In two years, maybe we'll know what this is. <laughs> I just want to thank everybody who's followed us on Instagram, who's left us messages, who's listening to this podcast. Yes, definitely listening. We appreciate you guys for listening. And I also want to thank all the people that know us personally who have sent us pictures of pineapples. Yes, that's that's the best part. It is the best part. So that we can follow up on those interesting facts. We really can. <laughs> we are actually recording this in the morning. And the best part about actually living together, I think, is that we can record this whenever we want. Yeah, because then we know which times work best for us. So it's... If it doesn't feel right, we can just say, nope, let's not do it right now. We'll do it later. Right. And there's all these great podcasts out there that you know I listen to every single day. And I feel bad for them because I'm sure they're like trying to figure out times to do Zoom and times to meet and whose house we're going to. Like I am sitting here in my pajamas, no bra. I did brush my teeth. Nice. And I'm looking a wreck. And we get to film this. No, you or look record good. this. You look good. I look good? Yeah. Aw. You're I, sweet. I look like a wreck, but that's okay. You don't look like a wreck. Oh, okay. You're just a little bit grayer than you were a year ago. Oh, okay. More not since yesterday. No. Good. No. But I think gray is a little sexy. Is it? And I might just be saying that because I'm considering myself a silver fox now. Maybe. So, do you have factoids? Yep, goes along with turning gray. No, not really. (laughs) Um, So, let's see. So, when it comes to marriage, everyone at some point starts to discuss uh, frequency of adult aerobics. Mm, Definitely. Parties. Yeah. Church. And, of course, with statistics, it doesn't mean anything because frequency of sex doesn't... It's whatever people actually want to do. It's not... There's no proper number yeah but it's still fascinating with age and then how long you've been married and all that sort of thing so i thought it was fascinating that they will start off worst it says the definition of a sexless marriage is defined by 10 or less times a year (laughs) so when you hear someone say i'm once a month i know so if you hear someone say you know i'm in a sexless marriage that's what it means less than 10 times a year and then the other extreme is 5% of married people said they do it more than four times a week. I guess they're the real go-getters. Wow. Four times a week? Yep. All right. That's, that a, sounds... good, that's a good club right there. That sounds like fun. So uh, 20 to 39-year-olds, it's like just a little over two times a week. 30 to 39, one and a half. 40 to 49. Wait, what does one and a half mean times a week okay but what that's one one full time but what is the half 
Well, we're by a week. I don't know. So it'd be twice in a week and a half. Oh, I was thinking like only one person finished. Yes. I, <laughs> I suppose you could use that. <laughs> okay. That's where my brain went. Wow. All right. I didn't think about that. Okay. So we're in the 40 to 49 range, 1.3 <laughs> per week. What is the point three? Same thing that they're averaging it for a week. Okay. So it's, you know, <laughs> if it's four weeks in a month, they say, okay, it's six times a month. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So it's there, whatever. It's not, it, it tapers off as we get older and older, probably. Does it? Physically, according to the statistics, oh, it does. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was thinking personally. Oh, okay. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> Yeah, 50 to 59 once a week, 60 plus once every 18 days. <laughs> but you got to think, I mean, it depends on how physically active and healthy you are, too. True. Here you go. Eight people in their 80s that are, you know, still considered active um, sexually. 19% mm -hmm. of men and 32% of women had adult aerobics at least twice a month. Good for Into them. Into their 80s. So that's cool. Good for them. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. It seems like women are better at it than men, though. It says 25% of partnered women, so I guess that's married or another partner, over the age of 70 had adult aerobics more than four times a week. Wow. Yeah. Get it, ladies. It's just ladies, though. So the men are little... Late to the party, I guess, on that one. Mm, if they can even, if they were even invited to the party. Right. So that's probably part of it. <laughs> All right. That's about it, I think. I like that. I like statistics yeah. like that. Because it bad. makes you either feel bad about yourself or good about yourself. To have fun. That's the important part. It really is. If you're not having fun, figure out what's fun. Yep. Switch it up. Switch it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't. Put ball gags in your mouth and be tied up for 20 hours. It's probably a good idea. Oh, my gosh. Is that our groceries? Groceries are here. Okay. We have to pause. Groceries just came. And we're back. <laughs> okay. Walmart, grocery delivery, you need to do better. <laughs> it's fantastic. We just got only half of our order that I placed yesterday. And we got somebody else's order, like half of their order. That is kind of creepy. So I just had to call and get a refund for all the stuff that we're missing and then reorder it. And hopefully it will be delivered today. But think of all the bonus items we got that oh, we didn't order. Like the sugar-free chocolate S cake mix. Someone is... who? Okay, everything is diet and sugar-free. Unless it's God trying to tell us something. Some of it looks good. I'm going to take some of it, yeah, for yeah. work and There's stuff. There's like high-protein insurers <laughs> in somebody else's order. I don't know. I feel bad because now that person has to go through what we're going through. I had to call and get a refund and whatever. Oh, you know, first world problems. Okay, but if Walmart wants to run an ad on our show, I will say nothing but good things about them. Okay. So it's fine. That's good. Sponsor. 
I have a very interesting case for you. Sweet. I'm actually really excited about this case, but I have been reading books, watching TV episodes. I've like taken a deep dive into this case. Listen to other podcasts who some of it was correct and some of it wasn't, but it was very entertaining. Cool. This is the case of Greg and Pamela Smart. Okay. I've never heard of them before. I know. Okay. I know you haven't. Now, what makes this case interesting is that this is the first ever case that was televised from gavel to gavel. What does that mean? That means from the very beginning of the court case to the very end of the court case, it was filmed. Gotcha. So this was when the media exploded and like court TV and all these things came about because of this case. Wow, that's interesting. Because this is such a fascinating case that people just couldn't let it be. So much so that they introduced televising it, the whole thing. Yes. So I wonder, did they just think that up out of the blue? Like, hey, we should probably televise this because... It's so interesting. I think it had a lot of what people were craving at the time because this was in the late 80s, oh, okay. which was, you know, sex, love, and murder. Right. That's what I craved in the 80s. Or sex, love, and rock and roll. Yep. And this is very much a they said, she said type of case. And so I'm excited to tell you and our 11 listeners. Already then. So you ready for this? Heck yeah, let's do it. All right. Late in the evening of May 1st, 1990, Pamela Smart arrived home to her morning misty drive condominium in Derry, New Hampshire. After a school board meeting that had gone late into the evening, Pam pulled into the parking lot of her home around 10.10 p.m. She had parked her silver 1987 Honda CRX with a vanity license plate that read Halen in the condo's garage. Wow. Is that like Van Halen or? Ding, 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 ding. Nice. All right. It is 80s. That's what I would have had, except that I would have been single digits old. (laughs) Okay, wait. (laughs) She walked down the sidewalk past her husband Greg's 1989 Toyota pickup. As she climbed the stairs to condo 4E, she noticed that the outside light was out and that when she went to put her key in the lock, the door was slightly ajar. Pam flipped on the entryway light and immediately saw her husband of less than a year, Greg, lying diagonal on the floor and not moving. Pam went screaming out onto the front stoop, pounding on neighbors' doors to get their attention. She kept screaming to dial 911, dial 911. My husband is on the floor. I don't know what's wrong and I can't find my dog. As neighbors called 911 and rushed out to help Pam, she kept insisting that no one enter the condo to help her husband because someone might still be in there. One of the neighbors rushed in, not worrying about the possible assailant and saw a brass candlestick lying on the floor, stereo equipment stacked next to the front door, and a man wearing a gray suit lying face down. 
Most of Greg's body was lying on the blue wall-to-wall carpet of the dining room. Only his ankles and feet were on the tiled floor of the foyer. He had a small amount of blood coming from his nose, and his skin had already begun taking on a grayish tone. Instinctively, the neighbor knew that 24-year-old Greg Smart was dead, and his 22-year-old wife, Pamela Smart, was now a widow, six days before their one-year wedding anniversary. Wow. Can you, did I paint the picture? There's so much going on there. So on the 911 call, I listened to it, and the neighbor keeps saying that she thinks he's passed out. And you can hear Pamela in the background saying, I don't know why he's passed out. He's passed out. But in saying that, it's like, if he's passed out, why aren't you in there? Yeah. Why aren't you trying to figure out what is wrong with your husband, whom you married almost a year ago? This was six days before their one year anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you would think she would be trying to revive him while on the phone. Yeah, that's what I would be doing. I wouldn't have just ran out. If I thought you were passed out, first of all, I'd laugh at you. Second of all, I'd take a picture. Right. And then third of all, I would try to help you. Okay, so two things. It's 80s, so it means everyone had landline phones with really long cords. Remember? Yes. 80s. So you'd have a cord that could reach anywhere inside your house. And then after a while, it would all be curled up in a big pile. And then the other thing is she couldn't just take a picture easily, like with a phone. So that would take some some work. No, I'm saying what I would have done if yeah. I thought you were passed out. In the 80s, you'd go, you know, you'd go over there and be like, Greg, Greg, what's up? Like, did you drink too much? Do you need to throw up? Right. And then if he still didn't move or say anything or you saw blood coming out of his nose... You would go to your landline phone and call 911. Absolutely. So everything that she did just didn't add up. No. All right. So I'm going to get into uh, I'm going to get into a little background of Greg and Pam. Now, what's interesting about Greg and Pam is that he changed the spelling of his name to G R E G G. Oh boy. Greg Gaga. Greg Gaga. Greg Gaga. Okay. She changed the spelling of her name to P-A-M-E, which is really... Pame? Pame. <laughs> or Pammy. Oh, wow. But it was Pam. They just wanted to be different. Clearly. It all starts with the name. Right. So I kind of... I know that Greg's the victim, and we shouldn't make fun of him. No. But if I was kind of a jerk, I would call him Greg Gaga. But I'm not going to because I'm not a jerk. I would just nickname him Triple G. But I would like to call Pam Pammy. Sure. For the rest of our podcast. All right. Yeah, do it. You like that? Yeah. Can <laughs> I refer to him as Triple G? <laughs> Triple G. Triple G and Pammy. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Greg was born on September 4th, 1965, which would have made him almost 56 today. He was born in Nashua, New Hampshire to Bill and Judy Smart. He was the middle of three boys. Does that sound familiar? Nope. (laughs) Considering you're the middle of three boys. Greg grew up in Derry, New Hampshire, 
not Derry, Maine, which is, that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I didn't know there was a Derry, Maine. But you know what? I don't know if there really is a Derry, Maine, but Derry, Maine was where it took place. Oh, okay. And I love that book. Hey, book recommendation. Go read it. Don't watch the movies. Go read it. He attended London Derry High School. He was not dumb by any means, but Greg had a wild streak and liked to look and act the part of an 80s rocker. He had long, dark hair, wore a leather jacket, had ample amounts of female attention, and never wanting to settle down, he often dated multiple girls at the same time. He was never shy about his sexual conquests. He threw wild parties at his house, loaded with beer, Boone's Farm, a little pot, and some cocaine. Wow. And his music selection was always Van Halen and Motley Crue. <laughs> I kind of, I'm digging it. This is like a stereotype party oh, he's player. Yeah. If you, when you see a picture of him, he is completely what you are imagining an 80s. All right. An 80s 20 year old looks like. Greg did not attend college and had a series of odd jobs. But on New Year's Eve of 1985, Greg had a huge party where he met an attractive young woman on her Christmas break from Florida State University named Pamela Wojas. Pammy. Pammy. 1986 turned out to be the year that would change Greg's life forever. Pam was born August 16, 1967 in Coral Gables, Florida, to John and Linda Wojas. She had an older sister and a younger brother. John, her dad, was an airline pilot for Delta Airlines. Jealous. Why? Because I love Delta Airlines. Oh, okay. And I wish that I knew somebody so we could get free tickets. I like Southwest because of the jokes they make That's before true. the plane departs. That's true. Southwest is the most humorous airline. For sure. I think I'd want to be, I'd want to work for Southwest just so I could be part of that. It's kind of like running um, the Jungle Cruise at Disneyland at one of the boats. <laughs> it's just all just it's dry humor, sarcasm. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Maybe mm -hmm. you should switch careers. I am going to. So he works for Delta and her mom, Linda, was a legal assistant. She grew up in Miami, Florida. And when she was in eighth grade, her family moved to Derry, New Hampshire. She attended Pinkerton Academy in Derry, where she was very popular. She was a cheerleader, president of her sophomore class. She was also a Spanish tutor, always an honor roll student, was a part of Students Against Drunk Driving. She also volunteered to read to elderly nuns. Aww. And a neighbor remembers she would come over and visit with her mother while she was dying from cancer. Does that sound like a sweet gal? She does. There was also another side to her personality. She was hurtful, cunning, and kind of a brat. She would make cutting remarks that were designed to bring people down a notch. Okay, we all know people like that. And they do that to make themselves set. Ugh. They do that to make themselves feel better. 
Sure. It's like a defense mechanism. So I can, I can picture that right now. She also had a reputation for being promiscuous. Oh. Which she did little to diffuse. She actually loved that people thought that she was getting around high school and like made up nicknames about herself, like porno nicknames. Oh, wow. It was, yeah. She needed constant attention, obviously. Seems like it. She was not allowed to run for any student government role again after her presidency her sophomore year because school officials believed she had rigged the election in her favor, skimmed money from class funds, and she was caught drinking on school grounds. Not because she was the class whore. Right. <laughs> Pam agreed to bow out of all future student government if the matter was kept quiet and out of her student file. Nice. Isn't that funny? Wow. I never would have thought of that. In I high shouldn't school. have said class war. I should have said class mattress. Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Pam had aspirations of becoming a television reporter. After high school, she attended Florida State University in Tallahassee, which had a media performance program in the communications department. Pammy went home to Derry for her Christmas break of 1985. She decided to accept an invitation by a friend to attend the party of a London Dairy graduate. Not knowing what to expect, they all went anyways. Pammy noticed Greg immediately. He was jumping around wearing a black party hat, which I have no idea what a black party oh, hat is. See, once you see someone with a black party hat on, then that's it. You yeah. know, you know right there. I wish they would have described him as wearing like a top black top hat like Slash would wear from Guns N' Roses. That would kind of like epitomize the yeah, 80s. What, what is a black party hat? I don't know what a black party hat is. He reminded Pam of the rocker John Bon Jovi with his long, luscious locks. That sounds about right. I yeah, don't that's remember. what I picture. John Bon Jovi having long, luscious locks. I remember them like ratting out his hair to make it look huge. And I, I guess you could call that locks. I mean, they're all kind of it's big and fluffy and yeah. crazy and spiky. Probably and all that smelled stuff. really bad. Probably smelled really bad. Smart made his move on Pam and she was smitten. Heck yeah. Spending the rest of her break with Greg, hanging out, going sledding. And going to the movies. When Pam headed back to Florida, they exchanged letters and phone calls. But Greg also started working in construction and seeing other chicks. Of course. One in particular. Pam gave him an ultimatum. And Greg chose the other girl. Ooh. I think ouch. he chose the other girl because she was in dairy. Yeah. And Pam was. Are there a lot of dairies in in this no. the, okay it's right. dairy d-e-r-r-y oh okay just kidding just like how they spell dairy maine in the book it all right <laughs> but by that summer they were back on and both had fallen head over heels for one another by the start of pam's sophomore year they were officially in a serious relationship only having eyes for one another the phone bills were in the hundreds of dollars every month. Do you remember that? Yep. I totally remember that. 
When like, you'd, you'd make phone calls and then your parents would say, oh my gosh, how long were you on the phone? Yeah. We have all these long distance phone calls. Melissa, keep it under 10 minutes. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. And you got to, th- I mean, adjusted <laughs> for now, it, it would have been $1,500 phone bills. Yeah. Because that was in the 80s. So uh, that was not unusual for to people to have phone bills as a major expenditure every yeah, month. Yeah, I remember that. They would send one another gifts and forget-me-not notes in the mail. Oh. <laughs> they visited each other whenever they could. In early 1987, Greg decided to move to, Halle- to Tallahassee to be with Pam while she finished school. His friends and family thought he was crazy. Greg's parents drove him down and paid for first and last month's rent on a fully furnished apartment while Pam still lived in the dorms. They were together as much as possible, going to clubs, seeing concerts, going on trips to Disney World, and just having a blast. But it wasn't all fun and games. The real world snuck up quickly. Greg worked as a landscaper and any other manual labor job he could find. Pammy was working at the Florida Department of Commerce as a part-time clerk. She was a news intern for WCTV Channel 6. They are on your side. On Thursday nights, she was a disc jockey for the school radio station, WVSS. (laughs) She hosted a two-hour show called Metal Madness. And she called herself the Maiden of Metal. Wow. Every time I wrote down Maiden of Metal, I just, I would, in my head, I go, Maiden of Metal. Sure. But why would I say that? I don't know why I would say that. Maybe it's, I don't know, whatever. Now I lost my place. Okay. She was also the station's promotions director and was in school full time. This chick had like, 28 hours in a day. That's what it sounds like. Not 24 hours in a day. I'm having a hard time keeping track of all the stuff she's doing. I would curl up in a ball and cry myself to sleep if my life was as busy as hers was. And she was an honor roll student. Wow. This, I don't know how she did it, but good for her. Well, she had Greg Giga. (laughs) Okay. I'm guessing cocaine kept her going. I don't know. It's oh, the 80s, maybe, right? Maybe. Sorry. It was All the right. 80s. Pam and Greg decided to move in together. Greg's parents were aware of the living situation, but Pam's were not. So Greg would have to move all his stuff out of the apartment and stay with a friend when Pam's parents would come into town. Oh. Should I tell the story of how I had to hide in a bathroom one time when your parents came to your house? Yeah. See, and then the, then there's that. <laughs> I think we all have stories of <laughs> maybe doing things like, we were. Hurry, to do. they're here. <laughs> I want to be embarrassed. I know it's six o'clock in the morning. Why is this girl in my house? <laughs> Hide in the bathroom. Hide. You're not supposed to be here. Okay. Before long, the two of them were discussing marriage, and Pam had even showed Greg. Did I say Greg weird? Had even showed Greg the ring she wanted. On a January night in 1988, Greg hit a diamond solitaire in Pam's baby powder puff. And she said yes. 
Wow. All right. So the story goes that she always put baby powder on herself after the shower every night. And he put the ring under this puff. So she went to puff herself down and there was the ring. And then she was like, oh my gosh. And then he would not ask her to marry him. He would not get down on one knee. She kept saying, you have to ask me. And he was like, I'm not asking you. And she's like, you need to get down on your knee. I'm not getting down on my knee. And so finally, she just said, okay, I'll marry you. So he never officially asked her. He never officially asked her. I think it was like a... That's weird. What's It was a power play. Yeah. Their whole marriage to me seemed like a power play. It's just, I'll get more into it, but it was just Like he wanted her to have to to do the work. And he could just sit there and go, yep, there's the ring. You figure it out. Yeah. With an upcoming marriage, Greg decided it was time to settle down and get serious. He decided to follow in his dad's footsteps and pass the insurance exam so he could sell insurance in Florida. He cut his rocker hair. Oh, man. I know. And they got a dog. Guess what they named the dog? Um, I don't know. What? Halen. Oh, of course. But right. they spelt it H-A-Y-L-E-N. Because they have this weird thing about spelling. They do. They have this weird thing about spelling names. Things were not all sunshine and rainbows for these two. They had horrible fights. Their personalities totally clashed. They were both controlling and both wanted to be the center of attention all the time. Yep. And could both be very passive aggressive. Like they would go days without speaking to one another. Nice. It's just, it's annoying. And Greg was also known to spit beer in Pam's face on a number of occasions. Wow. Like in front of people. He'd get pissed at her or she'd start nagging at him. And he would take a mouthful of beer and literally spit it in her face. He was kicked out of a club for spitting beer in her face twice in one night. I would, I'd be like, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Within three years, Pammy had completed all of the credits she needed and graduated cum laude from Florida State University. She graduated in three years. Do you know how hard that is? Good for her. I know. With an honor roll, cum laude. Right. It's this girl, I swear. How did she have all this energy and time? Cocaine. Okay, maybe. I I don't know. While Pam sent her resume tape to networks all over the country, Greg returned to New Hampshire to work at his dad's insurance office, hoping a little nepotism could get him ahead of the game. There's always that. Pam really wanted to be the next Barbara Walters. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, a little Saturday Night Live there for you. We're going way back, Saturday Night Live. Blah, 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 blah. But she chose to move back to New Hampshire to be with Greg. Aw. And was hired by School Administrative Unit 21 in Hampton, New Hampshire. She was to be their new media director for 11 schools. She would write feel-good press releases, produce and distribute educational videos, that would be used by the school district and manage their video library. 
Her office was located across the street from Winnicunit High School. She was her own boss, had a secretary, and even had a 15-year-old high school intern named Cecilia Pierce, and she became which she became extremely close to. She was kind of like her big sister. So when you hear about the story, people always say, call her a teacher, okay. that this teacher did this. Right. She was not a teacher at all. She, she did not have credentials. Oh. She did not teach a class. She was a mentor, which a mentor is different than a teacher. So that irritates me whenever I hear people calling her a teacher. She wasn't a teacher, people. She was not a teacher. She does not deserve that title. Maybe just because she's involved with the school system. Right, but she's not a teacher. Nope. In January of 1989, Pam and Greg moved into their rented condo on Misty Morning Drive. The couple went through months of couples counseling so they could get married in the Catholic Church. On May 7th, 1989, Pam and Greg exchanged vows at the Sacred Hearts Church in Lowell, Massachusetts, where Pam's parents had gotten married 30 years earlier. Awesome. This was a huge 80s wedding. No expenses spared, and Pam's parents paid for the open bar for 225 attendees. Holy crap. Can you imagine paying for that bar? No. That bar tab? No way. Thousands of dollars. Yep, in the 80s. But that's what you did back then. Well, you had 30% credit cards. (laughs) That's true. They also honeymooned in Bermuda. The union of Greg and Pam raised doubts and concerns with friends and family. The couple just never seemed to get along. And people people wandered out loud. Wandered? Wondered? wondered? Probably wondered. Okay, so they wondered out loud. That's how I spelt it, but it it like seemed weird coming out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, that's right. So they wondered how long the marriage would actually last. Wow. So not too far into the marriage, Pam was griping about Greg. Can't imagine why. And that he was turning into a yuppie and he was no longer cool. (laughs) They were really never together anymore. Greg would play cards with friends, ride his ATV, go golfing. And Pam liked to take dance lessons, and she would do educational classes to further her career, like public speaking and stuff like that. And she would read five to six newspapers a day. This girl was really into it. They even took separate vacations. This is not even a, this is like the first year of marriage. This is what's crazy. Greg took a ski trip to Canada, and Pam went on a cruise to Mexico. Wow, sounds like they were doing well for themselves. Yeah, but you can see the two extremes. Right. He's, you know, cold weather, hang out, right. ski. She's like, lay on a beach, yep. drink Mai Tais. Since he now sold insurance, Greg's hours were different from Pam's. While she went to work from nine to five, Greg didn't start work till later since most prospective clients couldn't meet until around dinner time. Greg usually got home around nine when Pam was already asleep. So they were like two ships passing in the night and there was not too much adult aerobics going on. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Yeah. That can't, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like the whole marriage at all would be conducive to that. No. And 
people were talking, family and friends were talking, like, how are these two even going to make it? Right. So one morning, seven months into their marriage, Pam woke up for work and Greg wasn't sleeping next to her. Uh Uh-oh. His part of the bed was still made. She went downstairs to see if Greg had fallen asleep on the couch, but he wasn't there. Finally, Greg called Pam before she left for work and told her he had gone out drinking with friends and slept on his co-worker's couch. Pam was relieved and went off to work. When Pam returned home from work, Greg was still home. With his head in his hands and tears running down his face, he admitted to Pam that he had had a one-night stand. Oh. Yeah. To say this was a turning point in their marriage is an understatement. Pam couldn't understand why... And she never could forgive or forget. She would bring this up all the time that he slept with somebody else. Around the same time, Pam had started mentoring some high school students at Winnicuttit High School for a local program called Project Self-Esteem. It was developed to improve self-esteem and prevent drug and alcohol abuse for high school freshmen. Pam became a facilitator and a discussion leader along with sophomore Cecilia Pierce, who was 15. This is her intern. J.R. Latimy, a 17-year-old sophomore. And Billy Flynn, a 15-year-old sophomore. The first time Billy laid eyes on Pam, he told J.R. he was in love. Uh Uh-oh. Billy never missed an opportunity to get into Pam's group to work on discussion questions. It was in these discussions that Billy and Pam realized how much they had in common. They both were metalheads, and Billy was into making videos with a home camcorder. Oh. Yeah. You know what that means. Yeah. So she's 22. Right. He's 15. He had a gorgeous mullet. (laughs) Oh. Wore a leather jacket. He was also into petty crime, like stealing... um, radios out of cars so he's kind of a bad boy which she's digging that's what i was just gonna say and just seemed like a bit of a bad boy yep okay kind of how greg used to be billy would sneak out of class to walk over to pam's office to hang out pam not only had one admirer she had two her intern cecilia pierce cecilia loved being around pam and they bonded immediately Cecilia had never met anyone like Pam before. She was attractive, full of energy. She listened and acted like she cared and would even hug Cecilia and say sorry when she was wrong. Pammy even gave Cecilia a Christmas present, a Bon Jovi tape. Hell yeah. New Jersey. Nice. Yes, girl. Yes. Then came the video competition for the Florida Department of Citrus. It was an idea that kids around the country would compete for prizes, including a trip to Disney World, by making a commercial touting the nutritional value of orange juice. Orange (laughs) juice has a lot of sugar in it. Pam got the school's permission, and she and Cecilia began recruiting kids to help with the project. Only three high schoolers signed up for the commercial. Cecilia, Cecilia's best friend Karen, And good old Billy Flynn. Nice. Throughout the winter, the kids and Pam would meet several times a week, on weekends, and after school for a few hours. Their commercial did not win any awards, 
but it bonded the three kids to Pam even more. She would take them to get food, hang out by the beach, even take them to an underage club and dance the night away. The line between mentor and student was non-existent, especially between Pam and Billy. Uh Uh-oh. Bad boy Billy. (laughs) William Patrick Flynn Jr., also known as Billy, was born on March 12th, 1974 in Seabrook, New Hampshire. He was raised in California till he was 12. His parents split up due to his father's infidelity, and his mom moved him and his two younger brothers back to Seabrook. The move was not good for Billy. The already quiet kid turned in on himself even more. Billy was a dreamer. He liked to doodle cartoons, taught himself to play the electric guitar. He was also known to be kind and gentle. Billy's dad was killed in a car accident about a year after they moved to New Hampshire. Billy was devastated and had a hard time moving on from that. On February 5th of 1990, Pam and Billy admitted to having feelings for one another. Pam asked Billy, do you ever think about me when I'm not around? Billy answered, sure. (laughs) She said, well, I think about you all the time. Oh, man. This happened in her office at the school board building. It's, just, it's so weird. They, she was just, they were not trying to hide this. What did she think was going to happen? I don't know. Within a few weeks, their relationship had turned into a high school relationship. Hanging out during and after school, going to get food, you know, stuff like that. Sure. One day, Pam went over to Billy's house while his mom was home. They locked his bedroom door and shared their first kiss sprawled out on Billy's waterbed. Oh, nice. And listening to Starry Eyes by Motley Crue. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing. Their relationship had officially taken a turn. Pam had invited Billy and Cecilia to her condo one weekend when Greg was out of town. They had rented a movie titled Nine and a Half Weeks. Have you ever seen Nine and a Half Weeks? I it's with know. Kim Basinger and Mickey Rourke when Mickey Rourke was really hot. It's it, okay. Maybe. I don't, I don't it's know. It's about a relationship that lasts nine and a half weeks and it's very, very sexually explicit. Gotcha. And it had some really like kinky scenes in it. Yeah. So to show that to two 15 year olds, it's so weird to me how she thought that this was okay. When the movie was over, Pam and Billy excused themselves and went up to the master bedroom. To talk about the movie. Yeah, just to talk about it. Right. Being curious, Cecilia went upstairs and saw them having adult aerobics. Oh. Yeah. According to Billy's testimony, this was his first time. Oh, wow. He lost his V card to a 22-year-old mentor. But he was very proud of that. Yes. After the initial sexual encounter, Billy stated that Pam immediately started talking to him about killing Greg, telling Billy that the only way they could be together was if Greg was dead. And if he really loved her, he would do it. Oh, my gosh. And that is the end of part one. (laughs) That's rough. This is going to be two parts. Because this is a crazy long story, and 
I mentally cannot get through the whole thing in one episode. <laughs> no, it only it can only get better from here. It only gets worse and better from here. Right. That's what I meant. But this turns into a they said, she said type of thing. This is a very fascinating case, and I'm really excited to tell you the rest. Cool. Next time. Also, what we needed to say was that we are now on YouTube. Yep. We have a YouTube channel. Thank you to our friend, Christina the Millennial, who (laughs) knew how to... Do all of the social media stuff for us and a YouTube channel and just everything that us oldies have a hard time figuring out. Yep. Our YouTube channel is called Till Death Do Us Part, a true crime podcast. I also, okay, I did this, so I'm really proud, but I also got our website up and running. It's not fancy. Our website is at tilldeathdoespartpodcast.com. We still have our Instagram and everything's attached to our Instagram page. I don't know how, but Christina the Millennial did it. Somehow so it I'm magically super works. Excited. Yeah. And our listener of the episode is Jake B from Bakersfield. Howdy, Jake. Hi, Jake. You are awesome. And thank you so much for loving our podcast and for giving us great feedback. If you are interested in being called out, I guess, on our podcast, just leave us some nice messages and, or tag us in Instagram, or I don't know, do do all those things that people do. But thank you, Jake, for all of your kind words. And we love you. Thanks, Jake. Is that weird to tell somebody we love them? A little bit, but that's okay. Okay. We like you. I'm sure they'll take it the wrong way. It's fine. No, not Jake. No, not Jake. Not Jake. We like you a lot. There you go. Jake. How's that? All right, so be careful, for marriage is a life sentence. Yep. <laughs> it really it really is. <laughs> All right, we'll, uh, we'll be back for episode two really soon. Sounds good. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.